Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris. They call me Chouse. Welcoming you back to the show. Obviously, if you've been uh, looking for a new episode over the last couple weeks, there hasn't been one. Uh, we took some time off to get recuperated for the off season, as it is a drain. We have been kicking off the team reviews, uh, review articles on All Day Football. We've already gone through almost half of them, so check those out. Lots of good information on what we believe the teams should be doing in regards to their salary cap, what players to hold, what players to re-sign, and what players to draft and potentially go after in the free agent market. So lots of good content on those. We break down all 32 teams before the free agency uh, period opens up. I believe it is on March 15th or 16th this year. Nevertheless, though, we do have lots to discuss. I am glad to be back on the on the podcast airwaves. It's been too long. Two weeks is far too long. But glad you're joining us. Welcome back, and we will start discussing uh, what is happening. Lots of good things happening. Obviously, the NFL scouting combine is in full swing already. It appeared we already have all the offensive categories complete for the scouting combine, and I believe uh, today is the defensive portion of it. So lots of exciting things when we start discussing what was going on with the with the offensive players, but we'll jump into that full swing. We do want to get into a couple things first. First of all, the NFL uh, CBA, uh, the collective bargaining agreement, is underway in full negotiation swing. We we I'm I'm very interested in how this plays out because obviously everything is about money um let's not kid ourselves it's about who's getting what the owners versus the players we've already seen uh uh, the proposal that there is going to be a 17 game season i believe the the problem was there was even with the money uh that was going to be spread out i believe they said it was five billion dollars uh they didn't give a year but i'm assuming that's going to be over a 10 year span if the cba is is ratified at 10 years um so granted that isn't a whole heck of a lot of money when you go over the 10 year mark but for that 17th game there was a proposed cap of i believe $250,000 um for each uh, for the top players uh for that that 17th game so obviously the players didn't like that very much so they said no to that um uh the positives that we did see come from it though the 200 million dollar proposed salary cap limit for for next season if the the CBA is agreed upon i mean that's great news for all players that gives teams more leverage to spend I believe that would go up. What is the cap at today is like $184 million. So that's a nice bump. It gives you just over $15 million to play with. And and you can resign and, and pay your players that much more. Um, so that's a positive for the players as well. I believe I also saw the profit share was going up, I believe, from 48 to 48.5 for the players. That's not bad as well. I mean, when you look at it, a 0.5 mark is, isn't great. Um, but when it comes down to it, uh, more money towards the players is always a, a positive thing for their side. So I see a lot of arguments when it comes to the collective bargaining agreement. And I'm I mean, a lot of people want to claim that I support um, the ownership over the players. And this just isn't the case. What works for me the most is a fair collective bargaining agreement. So when it comes to ownership, this is their business. They put up the dollars to buy these teams. I mean, most recently we saw the bills over a billion dollar price tag uh, that Terry Pagula uh, had to shell out. So uh, he's going to want to recoup his money. I don't see anybody else putting up over a billion dollars to buy a company. And when it does, they're going to try to maximize every ounce of that. So um, when it comes to the stadium deals, yes, there is a problem using taxpayer dollars um, and then and then teams like like the Las Vegas Raiders just recently you saw that the the ownership uh, um, just sold the the land and will be leasing it now so they've just completely profited on a on a bare minimum deal on the land which they got I believe from Vegas for six million on taxpayer dollars and now he sold it uh, uh, for the rights to lease so he's going to be making money hand over fist but I mean this is what you do in this business. 
business. The city of Las Vegas knew that this was going to be, and the taxpayers were going to be the ones holding the bag. However, when you start talking about how the CBA goes with this and how ownership makes their dollars, it is through the TV contracts. It is through their stadium leases and how they how they operate and how they're able to gain funds that way. So then people want to suggest that the players, because they are the um, piece on the field that brings the fans into the stands to watch these games, they should be compensated a lot more. But to that degree, the players are already compensated a fair deal We've never seen players, you, you go and talk to players 20 years ago who wish they were making this type of money, right? So inflation is key. Obviously, both sides are making more money than they ever have. But yes, like I said, I am about making a fair deal for the uh, collective bargaining agreement. The players should not be screwed over when it comes to dollars that should be coming into their pocket. But you cannot be full player um, uh, supportive to suggest that they should have the majority stake in this. Because if they do, here's here's my suggestion and my thought on this. If the players do, and it was a good conversation I had with a colleague of mine a few years back on the CBA, and he suggested as well that if players want to take more ownership stake or get more percentages from uh, from the owners, uh, is, is how I mean it, um, then they should be putting up some of their funds into the team in like some kind of percentage deal which would allow them to... Uh, uh, like a stock market thing recoup funds when they can when the team's uh, profit line and profit margins start to increase that I'm okay with if the players want to put up some of their money to gain more money I'm okay with that I don't know if the owners would be okay with that but in this case the owners are the ones fronting the bill if they if the owner goes bankrupt and he can't pay the bills then he has to sell the team he's the one that's at a loss right the players won't be the players will still get their paychecks because that's just how the CBA is so you have to look at it from a risk risk tolerance where, where the owners are putting in the most risk to some degree when it, on the business side when it comes to the player side i understand that their risk is their body is their health if they get injured that's it if it's a if it's a career ending injury they will have no more earning potential to earn those contracts to earn those dollars so that's where i understand from the player side guaranteed contracts i'm all for it if 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 you can literally gain your second deal to be fully guaranteed, I think that would persuade the players to take a little bit less on the percentage side because now they're not leaving $20 million on the table because they, they were either cut or they uh, uh, got injured in their final seasons where their cap hits were the largest. So I'm, I'm all, fa- all in favor of uh, fully guaranteed contracts. Will that, will that lower um, contracts like, say, for Patrick Mahomes, which will be coming up, which could break the bank at over two, $200 million? Absolutely. We could see that price tag go down if they guarantee, say, $150 million. Would, would would anybody really argue? Would Patrick Mahomes argue and say that's not enough, right? So it's, it's a very interesting debate. As for the 17-game season, I'm still kind of on the fence in regard to this because what you're doing, I, I, I like change. I like change. Let me step back. I like change a lot if it's for the better. If things aren't broken and you're just trying to implement something new for the sake of doing it, uh, doing something new, um, I can I can argue that because to me a 17 game season while it would add more money to the books for both players and owners adding another playoff team in the wild card round gives you more more uh, money obviously because another game will be two games will be played on wild card weekend um, it's great for the game that part of it I like for the playoff for the 17 game season I don't know I'm still a little bit on the fence simply because I believe it will dilute. Um, the statistic, the historical statistics. And I know the NFL went from, what was it, a 14-game season to 16-game season all uh, the way back uh, to the Jim Brown days. And I mean... Did it did it make that big of a difference? Maybe, maybe not. But I mean, we see statistics continuously get inflated. And if you add another game to the season, um, all the stats that we see right now will have to be uh, past and present when you're reviewing the greatest of all time, for example. So that's a big one in my mind. I'm I'm not I don't hate it um, seeing another another game uh, for the regular season and then stripping one from the preseason. They'll only have three games in the preseason if they add that 17th game. So in that respect, I'm totally on board. I think that's good. We four games in the preseason is just a is way too many, and we don't really need it. So um, from that perspective, I don't mind it at all. Obviously, the the CBA went for vote. 
and it was rejected by the players, and they realized it was a it was a bum deal on their end, and and they're gonna continuously uh, sit at the table. But my encouraging factor is they're not waiting till the eleventh hour this time, like they did ten years ago. Um, we should have this thing done. Hopefully, um, it doesn't look like it'll get done before the new league year hits. Um, but at least they're talking. At least they're making headway and they're making progress. The other big thing on the CBA is the substance abuse policy and the use of marijuana. This one is very interesting to me because I see a lot of people discussing it and it is the biggest leverage maker for the NFL right now um, in how they can negotiate. Uh, players want marijuana to be uh, not legalized but not uh, tested for. So if players are using marijuana to help their bodies after the games, which I heard a lot of players do, um, and it's not a, a performance-enhancing drug. So, so I mean, I don't see the big deal in it. Uh, I think uh, it's, it's becoming more and more socially acceptable in a lot of cities that are legalizing marijuana. Um, uh, to me, it's not, not a big deal, but this is a big bargaining chip for the NFL because they know a lot of players use it for their healing, for their time, their downtime to get their bodies uh, recovered. Um, something in the CBDs gives them extra extra bump when it comes to recovery time so uh that that's a big one as well i really wonder how the nfl is going to go in that regard because if you do sign another 10-year pact um and and testing of marijuana is going to be a problem then i mean you're gonna you're gonna be up to what 2031 um before you're gonna say marijuana uh, use is okay in the nfl unless there is a, a a stipulation in the contract that they can they can nullify that uh halfway through let's say if the entire country uh, decides to legalize marijuana. But nevertheless, the CBA is being discussed, which is great headway. Uh, hopefully no lockout next year in 2021. But a lot of teams have been waiting uh, for their offseason um, cuts, roster cuts, simply because they were looking to see what the, the numbers would look out for the salary cap and how much money they would get uh, in that respect. So uh, moving right along. So the NFL Combine and discussing NFL free agency. So like I said, we are doing all the team uh, evaluations, off-season workbooks, as we call them on All Day Football. Check that out on the website. It is a lot of good stuff. So a few things we saw on the wire the news wire that caught our attention um, uh, over the past two weeks. Uh, there's been a bunch, so we've, we've kind of dumbed it down to a few. First one was Jordan Reed being cut from the Washington Redskins. We discussed this in our Redskins offseason workbook evaluation. I really can't uh, envision any situation where a team would be able to medically clear um, Jordan Reed to play, even if he does pass through concussion protocol. I mean, now it's a time that we should be discussing the health of the player over playing football. Reed has been through so many concussions that his brain will be um, susceptible to CTE. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, we've seen far fewer players take far few hits uh, and still have issues off the field early on in their in their youth and then going on uh, later on. Um, uh, but this is a big problem. But instantly, Jordan Reed has been in talks with the L, uh, L.A. Rams um, to come on board when it comes to skill set I do like that a lot I mean could you imagine having Jordan Reed and, and Tyler Higby anchoring those tight ends uh, uh, with the receivers they have on that roster I think that would be phenomenal talent wise I think there's a lot of schemes you can do and this goes to what I was saying in previous shows look how many teams now are trying to do that multi tight end set like the Ravens do this is a copycat league this will be uh, something that a lot of teams, you will see a lot of teams trying to double stack tight ends, both that can block and can catch either or to have one so that you can have both on the line at the same time to uh, increase the mismatch on that play action on that read option. And, and you're going to see a lot of teams doing it. Like obviously the Rams, they see the, the potential for an upgrade in a pass catcher like Jordan Reed. Hidgeby is still a great blocker. Everett's still a great blocker. So, I mean, or Everett's a good blocker, but I mean, it would be a definite increase. That way you can remove some salary either at Robert Woods or Brandon Cooks who are who are really going to be uh, up against the, the Rams cap um, this season. So they will have some decisions to make. But I found that one to be interesting that the Rams were in talks with Jordan Reed's camp. Um, and, and, and I really, really wonder, I doubt it'll happen, 
um, simply because of his health. I think it's a concern that all teams need to be looking at. Um, but that is one thing that we found very interesting. Byron Jones from the Dallas Cowboys, the defensive back, he is looking like he is going to hit the open market. This was inevitable. I mean, Dallas has so many players to pay. They have Dak. They have... They have Amari Cooper. They have already Zeke on the books. They say they want to keep Randall Cobb. Um, Byron Jones is a big, big hit on their on their cap if they're going to try and re-sign him. So, I mean, this was inevitable to us. He has priced his way out because of his great play. And, and the, it's clear in our eyes that, I mean, Jerry Jones would like to keep him aboard. But this Dak Prescott contract situation is definitely handcuffing them. Do they really tag Dak or do they re-sign him? I mean, uh, it looks like talks have uh, been up and down with both them, but this is it. I mean, Byron Jones, he is going to be a stud somewhere else as well. He has shown it with the Cowboys. He has been fantastic last season. Season before that, he was great. So, I mean, this is a big loss on the defensive side. Dallas will have to regroup and find some replacement in that in that respect. But Byron Jones hit, is going to hit the open market as it looks to news sources that the Cowboys will not be able to re-sign him. Cut persons, cut people, cut players. How will we say it? Cut players from other teams. Alec Ogletree has been cut from the New York Giants as they try to revamp the entire roster under their new head coach and new staff. This guy, so he is something of an enigma to most. I really still believe in the ability of Alec Ogletree, the linebacker. I, I think he is superb. He has the ability to help out a defense from day one if he if and when he's re-signed. There's no question he will be re-signed, but now he has the choice on where he wants to go. Ogletree still has the speed. He still has... Um, all the ability and athleticism to make things happen. I think the issue at hand was him being the number one guy on that Giants defense and that scheme just didn't fit. He was much better with the Rams. Um, and now I believe it at this point of his career, he's not old, but I still believe he has a lot to offer. And in my eyes, I mean, this may sound like a Homer type of deal because I'm a Bills Mafia supporter, but I believe that the Bills should be looking into Alec Ogletree 110% to bring him on board. He does not fit uh, into the Sean McDermott, uh, Brandon Bean, Carolina Panthers type of player, but he is electric. And him playing with Tremont Edmonds or Tremaine Edmonds, he would be phenomenal. The Bills definitely have some linebacker holes that they need to fill. Matt Milano is a player that is 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 very decent um, they lost Lorenzo Alexander so they're gonna have to uh, fill the gaps and the Bills defense is not far off if you add players like Alec Ogletree to this defense he he's not expected to be that top leader he could move over to the will or the salmon I believe he could still produce and he wouldn't have to be the number one guys Edmonds uh, is is a superstar in the making I just think everything looks right in that situation he may go and and take the dollars and I could see it so there is potential for teams like Miami to th throw some money at him um, teams with higher salary caps to throw money at him and he won't be a free agent for much longer um, but I, I still believe in the ability and I like the like the skill set that he has so next one on the board we will cover more free agents that are on lists but uh Kenyon Drake was an interesting uh, comment that just came out. He is looking and searching for uh, average annual salary of $10 million per season. Why am I highlighting this right now? I think it's interesting. So he's not he's not stupid. He understands that the the NFL draft has a loaded class of runners who will be taking jobs away, and he needs to cash in on what he did for uh, uh, the second half of the season when he got traded to the Cardinals. Um, is Kenyon Drake worth $10 million? In my opinion, hell no. Um, he is not. He is a good running back. He showed that he has sound ability in both the run and the pass game. But like we've seen, you signed um, David Johnson to his mammoth deal and it fell off. How many running backs do we see that are not coveted by these teams um, unless you are Zeke Elliott, you know, type of deal. You are Saquon Barkley. Um these are the types of guys you will be paying that $10 million to plus um, 
when it comes to Kenyon Drake, I just I really struggle if any team provides him ten million dollars per season at anything more. Okay, if it's a short term deal, if he's if he's signing ten million per for a two year stint, okay, fine. I'm not going to argue that. But if you're signing him ten million um, per year. At, at, at a five or six year deal, I mean that's just uh, uh, foolish, and 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 that would cripple your roster. Um, you better you better be getting outs if you're going to be signing him. I want to see like a third year out in the contract, so front loaded, um, uh, just to get out from under it. Then I'd be okay with that as well. There's obviously ways you can manipulate contracts at this point of the season, um, but Kenyon Drake, in my mind, for what he is, um, he's all potential. Um, he has ability. Um, but I would not pay for it at this point in his career. Maybe a one-year, $10 million deal-make-or-break-it deal to see if he can duplicate his success. I'd be okay with that as well. But for the long term, I don't see it being anything positive for uh, if, the, if it is the Arizona Cardinals or any other club. So moving the, right along with this one, this is the interesting aspect. So the Colts, the uh, Indianapolis Colts, they have been making headway, making news, um, all over this offseason already. They do believe, and I do believe this, I, I, I believe that Chris Ballard, uh, the general manager, he believes that this team is not far off from competing um, from the Super Bowl. I really, truly believe he has a roster that can do it. Um, he needs to upgrade certain positions. The offensive line is stellar. If you put a quarterback in that offense who can move the ball better than Jacoby Brissett, um, I believe this team offensively um, will be something to watch uh, in 2020. So the rumor mill has it that Philip Rivers is potentially headed to the Colts. I mean, there's still a lot of time. They can't really negotiate at this point. Otherwise, it'd be league tampering. Um, but everyone is pointing the finger to say that Philip Rivers could be landing with the Colts. And I, for one, would absolutely love this. Okay, Philip Rivers has been um, obviously losing traction in his ability. He's still he's shown that he's struggling to throw the ball super deep. So that would kind of take away T.Y. Hilton in some respect for the deep ball. Um, but there's other ways you can manufacture an offense. We've seen it in New England. How long can Tom Brady throw the shortcuts in and out to make things happen? I think that could be Phillip Rivers in this offense with a great offensive line to keep him upright, with a good uh, running game behind Marlon Mack and potentially whoever else they're going to add to this to this uh, running back room. You add another wide receiver playmaker to the, to the squad. I mean, Paris Campbell could come back. This offense has the makings to be something dynamic. Dynamic. And I am, I for one am extremely excited to see if Philip Rivers does go there, um, uh, the amount of success they will have. I think Rivers just needs that team. It was done in, in, in LA with the Chargers. I think Anthony Lynn tried his best, just wasn't the thing, wasn't the system. Under Frank Reich, I think you will see something of a resurrection. I think that Philip Rivers could potentially, like I said, with added playmakers to the offense, you need one more good wide receiver on that club to take pressure off of T.Y. Hilton, and I truly believe that Phillip Rivers will be able to make things happen. He could even go up 25 to 30 touchdown passes on this offense with a sound running game and an offensive line. No question about it. So sticking with the Colts, they have been rumored as well to be in the market for uh, Eric Berry. He took last year off. Nobody uh, wanted to sign him. Eric Berry looks to be in the, in the mix for playing for the Indianapolis Colts, which would be phenomenal with uh, Malik Hooker. I see nothing but right. If, if Eric Berry can still play football at a very high level, and I don't see why not. I mean, injuries were his issue. Uh, but if he has taken the year off and he is healthy and ready to go, I see nothing but right in that move. When it comes to the high-priced splash free agent signing, the rumor mill has it as well that Jadavion Clowney, there is interest in Jadavion Clowney to come to Indianapolis. Don't know if he has the same interest to go there, to go to the Colts, but the Colts will be making a push to sign the current Seattle Seahawks, Jadavion Clowney. This one, this one is interesting to me because the Colts defense did take a step up uh, this past season as they signed those free agents to help the defense uh, move forward. And Clowney would only be that added huge pressure from the outside to help the defense scheme up new systems, new plans. 
um, to help this defense get even even better. So um, I, I I like what what's going on in Indianapolis. If it does happen, um, hearing chatter, I mean, every this is lying season. Let's not kid ourselves. Everyone's gonna say what they want to hopefully push the hand of other teams to make moves to keep away from their players. But I mean, if Clowney Rivers and Eric Berry are on the top of the list to come to Indianapolis, Colts fans, you should be smiling. This is a great thing for your club. And and I mean, there's I see nothing but right in, in all three of those moves. I mean, you could probably get Eric Berry on a very low contract, very low dollar contract. Clowney obviously will break the bank. And then Phillip Rivers is your stopgap. And if you decide to draft a future replacement uh, at the quarterback position, I mean, you have the ability to do that as well. So um, very interesting indeed. But let's move right along. We have articles for other sites that have pushed out for the free agent period already discussing what these guys should want could want could get and where should where they might land so starting off with the free agent quarterbacks we'll highlight a few here Dak Prescott he is currently under negotiation uh, for his contract uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, but obviously things have stalled like we had mentioned. I heard rumor that he is looking for something of $40 million per season. I think that's astronomically outrageous. I understand he had a great season last year with all the added weapons to the to the offense uh, with Cooper Cobb and, and company with the offensive line still playing well. Zeke Elliott running still very well. Um, but for that money, you really and, and here's the argument that I had for the reason why Dak Prescott isn't being resigned. Some call it disrespectful. I really am breaking it down to the point of Jerry Jones. Does Jerry Jones truly believe that Dak Prescott is his guy? Um, if it was Tony Romo, we know how he felt about Tony Romo and his ability. I believe he would have paid Tony Romo without even thinking twice. When it comes to Dak Prescott, I think there still is some inadequacy in his game that Jerry Jones is unsure about. He 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 likes Dak. I believe I believe he does believe in Dak. Um, but at that price tag, it will cripple the entire roster um, for how they will be able to move forward and re-sign talent. So Jerry Jones wants to get to the Super Bowl. It's all about the dollar figures. I believe they offered him $33 million before the season started. Dak turned that down. Um, and clearly, he, he believes that he showed uh, more than enough this past season to get that $40 million. Would I pay Dak $40 million? I would I would really, really question it. Um, if you're talking uh, Matt Ryan money, what did Matt Ryan over over 120 million? I believe Matt Ryan was. I mean, I could see that 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 to me is is understandable. But but Dak Prescott is definitely going to try to leverage as much as he can out of this contract um, because this is the big money deal. He may he should. Uh, and could see regression in those numbers, um, especially if Amari Cooper can't be brought back. So Dallas has a very, very difficult time on their hands when it comes to their salary cap and the players they have signed already in the past. So this just adds to that as well. Jameis Winston, he is 25 years old. Next one on our board, um, 25 years old at $6.3 million last season. Um, he is looking for a heavy increase, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been back and forth many times already. Bruce Arians has said, we'll wait and see. Bruce Arians has said, he is not our guy. We will be searching for other quarterbacks. But in my opinion, how can you move away from Jameis Winston? I think the appropriate thing to do at this point is to tag Jameis Winston um, in hopes he will sign that tag for one season and come back and play as a prove-it deal. I think that's uh, uh, most appropriate in his situation, given the fact that he has been a turnover machine um, and Bruce Arians really wants to revamp uh, the entire defense on the Buccaneers, um, give him some more weapons in the running game on the offense. Um, that'll only help Jameis Winston's uh, offensive productivity, even though he did go over 5,000 yards and throw those over 30 touchdowns. But it was those 30 interceptions, and I believe he had 12 fumbles um, five lost, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, you, you, you really struggle as a general manager and a head coach to pay a quarterback who is this uh, troublesome in the turnover game, um, accounting for over 40 turnovers uh, or potential 
excuse me, potential turnovers um, in one season is is just ridiculous. So if he can clean that up, then yes, he is worth the money. If he cannot, um, I would I would definitely tag him for the season in hopes that he can return on a prove it deal. Drew Brees on our board number three. He was making $25 million last season. He is 40 years old. I believe he already had his birthday, so he would be 41. Um, coming back already, he has claimed and made his decision. He said he was going to take some time off to discuss it with his family, but he has confirmed that he will be back for the 2020 season. And why not? I mean, he has a team around him that is still built to be one of the best in the NFL, to be a team to go to the Super Bowl. I think it is uh, definitely warranted for him to come back. Will he receive that $25 million again? Perhaps, but maybe he does take a discount this season to help bring more talent to the club. Um, uh, with the NFL draft coming, we do suspect that they will add more weapons to the run game and to the receiving core um, simply to help out Michael Thomas, who was their main man receiving and catching everything to come his way. Um, but Drew Brees coming back to the New Orleans Saints keeps them in the category of Super Bowl contenders heading into 2020 obviously depending on what they do in the free agency and the nfl draft but i mean this roster still is extremely loaded and should have no issues with drew Brees, as we didn't really see any drop off in his level of play so fourth on our board it was a very interesting one is tom brady we really um uh, struggle with any type of opinion to say what is going to happen with Tom Brady. We're hearing rumor all over the place that the Patriots are not talking to Tom Brady and his agent in his camp. Um, we hear that the Oakland Raiders are making a are, are willing to provide a strong push to give him uh, heavy dollars to come over. I believe it was 30 or $40 million for the season. Um, uh, Here's the thing. Does Tom Brady really going to sell out for the money or is Tom Brady looking to win another championship with another team to prove that he is the guy that has built uh, uh, the dynasty in New England? I think it is about ego. I really do. I, I, I can't see um, a situation where Tom Brady would leave to say that the question would be, would, is Bill Belichick the reason for his success? Um, I think this is the guiding factor to why Tom Brady is making this strong push um, to leave the New England Patriots and try uh, to win a championship somewhere else. I think that would ultimately solidify him. I mean, he's already the greatest of all time. Let's not kid ourselves at the position until further notice. Um, but when it comes to, to going to another team, taking them to the Super Bowl and winning a title, um, I think would would supplant any notion that he he is extremely talented and can change a team something like Peyton Manning did when he went from Indianapolis to Denver and won those two Super Bowls I mean uh, this this would be something on the Tom Brady resume that that nobody could take away and suggest that uh, Bill Belichick was the key factor in all his success. And I am one of those people. I believe that at the beginning, the beginning stages of his career, I believe that Belichick made Tom Brady um, and then Brady just he was that intelligent that he learned how to manipulate the schemes and systems hit to fit himself and, and then his ability took over in that regard as well. So uh, a little bit of both, I think, early on and later on in his career, we can say that it's Belichick, then it's Brady. But it will be interesting to see where he goes. Last one for the quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill. So he was making a bargain of $2 million for the Tennessee Titans after he got traded. This was very interesting. I mean, he is obviously in line for a massive payday after his performance um, last season. Uh, took the took the Tennessee Titans to the playoffs uh, with the assistance of Derrick Henry. So, I mean, can we see Tannehill being paid handsomely? Um, I really believe they should not. Um, Tannehill is I, – I like Tannehill as a quarterback. I think he was great in this Tennessee offense. But when it comes to paying him big dollars – I would like to see him around the Kirk Cousins money. The $84 million over three years, I could stomach. I think that's an appropriate deal for uh, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, you still got to pay Derrick Henry if that's the situation and where you want to go. Um, um, but there's going to be dollars that are going to be missing, and, and they're going to have to try to find a way to keep all of them happy. Um, Tannehill, in my opinion, does he return to Tennessee? I see it. I, I, I can't see any situation.
situation where Tennessee doesn't re-sign uh, Ryan Tannehill for 2020 to try and, and go for it all again. So moving to the running backs, we have Derek Henry, like we're saying, uh, staying in Tennessee. He was making $1.3 million off his, off his rookie contract, age 26 years old, and he just blew up last season off his contract. Here's another situation where we say, do we pay running backs big money, uh, especially for guys like Henry who take a pounding every and give out the pounding. I mean, it's just it's body punishment. Let's just call it that. He's going to be completely punished every week. And if you're going to be paying him top dollar, I mean, uh, he said that Zeke Elliott was his floor. I heard people say that he retracted that statement, but I think that's kind of still where he is going. He wants Zeke money. He wants that, that, what is it, that 90 million, 50 mil guaranteed over six years. That's what Derrick Henry wants, and I think that's a poor deal for the Titans. Um, This running back class is extremely loaded. Jonathan Taylor has blown up the combine. I will get into that when we touch base with the combine, but he has absolutely blown up the combine and and holds a very similar skill set to Derrick Henry. So uh, where they sit, it's it's not out of the question for the Tennessee Titans to uh, draft Jonathan Taylor as their replacement for Derrick Henry and, and potentially have very similar output maybe not exactly the same that we saw this past season but even still you're going to see regression from Derrick Henry next year uh without a doubt I mean there's no question that he's going to be able to uh um uh, duplicate what he was he was able to do last season Um, but Jonathan Taylor is somebody to keep an eye on for the Titans if they do not re-sign Derrick Henry Melvin Gordon is another interesting one 2.6 million 27 years old he is on his way out from the LA Chargers there's no way he is going back um when it comes to paying Gordon, much like Henry, I really wonder what Gordon's number is. I haven't seen anybody speculate. There hasn't been much chatter on where he is going to land. And I truly believe that teams are going to let him sit on the open market um, to dictate how many, how much funds uh, is appropriate. Um, I, I don't see him being paid as a top running back. I see him taking a, a, a three-year deal potentially at the, the $6.5 to $8 million. That's still a heavy price tag for a running back who has only one 1,000-yard season on his resume and a, and, and a, a resume loaded with injury troubles. So um, in this respect, I really wonder what he will, will he, he'll garner on the open market, but he will get paid. He will get his money. He still has ability, but the injury concern is always the problem. I see him going to a club that already has a running back on the roster, uh, Maurice Jones Drew of the NFL Network had suggested a long time ago uh, that uh, Melvin Gordon to Buffalo with uh, Devin Singletary would be a thing of beauty, and and I I kind of scoff and question it as well. Uh, I don't hate it, but I would rather see a guy like Leonard Fournette come to the Buffalo Bills with Devin Singletary um, in that respect. Next one was uh, Kenyon Drake. We already discussed his uh, contract situation. Um, Kareem Hunt was the next one on our board. Age 25, he is a restricted free agent for the Cleveland Browns he made a, a, a cool 1.1 million dollars uh, last season coming off that suspension trying to prove his worth trying to prove what he can still be in this league he is he's a beast I mean nobody can question it he was the the main check down in the Browns offense when he came back we heard that the Browns are really interested in resigning him to the club uh, to keep that Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt tandem in place and and I mean I I don't like it I really was hoping that uh the Browns maybe would have put a second round tender on him. I'm curious if they put a first round tender, I think that he stays with the Cleveland Browns, but if he, if he draws a second or third round tender from the team, I could definitely see a club making an offer to try, try to steal him off the Browns roster. He has too much skill to be a play second fiddle to another running back. And I think Nick Chubb still is the main man in Cleveland. And he, as, as it's warranted, he should be. Um, um, but I really, it's 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 disappointing. I'm hoping that I see Kareem Hunt go to another team um, that can definitely exploit his abilities as the premier back. Austin Eckler is the guy next on our board for the fifth running back. He was making just over half a million dollars. His age is still very young as well. And this one is interesting to me. Do we see the, the LA Chargers um, re-sign 
Austin Eckler to the club uh, because he is also an RFA. Excuse me. So do we see a, a first round or second round tender on him as well? Because I could see many clubs wanting to steal and put offer sheets on Austin Eckler based on what he was able to do. My only issue is do we view Austin Eckler as a number one running back? I personally don't. I would I would if we see Austin Eckler signed, I truly see the Chargers adding more from this running back class. Perhaps a, a uh, Dobbins um, could be coming off the board in the draft. Um, that would make a whole heck of a lot of sense to me. Um, but yeah, when it comes to what Austin Eckler can be, he is a very productive piece in the both the run and the pass game, but I just really believe that his body would break down if he's given uh, full lead back duties. So that's definitely not his game. So moving right along to the top five wide receivers ready to hit the open market. First one we have, obviously, as we mentioned, Amari Cooper for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, this one is, again, interesting. It's going to come down to money. Can the Dallas Cowboys afford to pay all these players, all these top-notch players? Amari Cooper showed that he could be a very sound piece in this offense, even though Michael Gallup did steal the show late in the season. Um, Amari Cooper is the reason for the elevation of Michael Gallup, in my opinion. I believe all that coverage is pulled to Cooper's side, gives Gallup all the open lanes, lesser coverage. But, I mean, he is a valuable piece to this Dallas Cowboys offense with Zeke Elliott, Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb. I mean, you can name them off. This offense looked very good last season, and and they're going to struggle to re-sign him. So could we see him move on to another club? Absolutely. Um, there's no question about it. The dollars may not be there for what he, he believes he's worth. Um, so Jerry Jones is going to have his work cut out for him to see if he can bring back his top receiver who is only 26 years old and who made just over $5.5 million last season. A hefty raise is definitely coming his way. Next one is 32-year-old A.J. Green who made $15 million last season and has dealt with his share of injuries over the last three years. A.J. Green is a very interesting player to me. I mean, everybody knows if you follow my work how big a, big a supporters we are of A.J. Green. I have been uh, uh, preaching him as an elite receiver like everybody has since coming out of college. There's been nothing that A.J. Green hasn't done that I haven't liked. Um, now that he is 32, year, 32 years old and, and dealing with a great deal amount of injury, um, what is his worth? Is he going to stay with Cincinnati? Hearing rumors that he wants to stay, hearing rumors that he wants to leave. Um, what do you do if you're the Bengals? If, and, and, and we already have that offseason workbook out there, so you should see we, uh, we already broke down their salary cap. They can potentially, the Bengals is what I'm talking, they can potentially have near the 90 million mark in free cap space with some with some roster cuts. You're potentially going to be drafting Joe Burrow from the LSU Tigers. This is what you need. You need to keep A.J. Green still on the board. Sign him to a short two-year deal. Um, keep him there with Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon. Revamp the offensive line, even though this draft does and is loaded with wide receiver talent, I don't hate bringing back A.J. Green to Cincinnati. I think it's a smart move. Draft another wide receiver as well. That way you have the heir apparent when he is uh, either going to retire as a Bengal or leave off his next contract. And and your offense is no worse for wear. Burrow is going to start. He's likely going to ball out. And I mean, you still have Joe Mixon. You fix that offensive line, and this offense could be retooled within one season, one offseason. Um, but going to another team, I could definitely see it. He could add value anywhere he goes. Um, I think those injuries to his foot have been a little bit freak, and hopefully they will be corrected. If it is an ongoing problem, you will see his salary drop. He won't make as much on the open market as he believes, so maybe he does stick around in Cincinnati to finish his career. Third one on our board for the receivers is Robbie Anderson. He is 27 years old, made $3 million last season, just over $3 million. He is a problem player for me. I I like his ability. He's never garnered a 1,000-yard season, never had over 10 touchdowns. I believe his ceiling was hit at seven touchdowns on his career. Um, I really struggle to place Anderson as a wide receiver one 
um, on any club. I believe Robbie Anderson would be probably one of the best number two wide receivers on any team. If you put, say, Robbie Anderson, just for argument's sake, with Julio Jones, I think I think Robbie Anderson flourishes. You put him in a Green Bay offense with Devontae Adams, I think Robbie Anderson flourishes. Um, I could definitely see uh, Anderson going to the Eagles, who need wide receiver assistance uh by the poundful we're hearing that uh, Alshon Jeffrey may be traded or released I don't buy the release simply because uh, Jeffrey's contract would provide too much dead cap but I mean if you had a trade for Al- trade Alshon Jeffrey sign uh, Robbie Anderson keep Deshaun Jackson you have two speedy wide receivers on the edge that change that that offense um, I, I like Anderson to the Eagles I like Anderson to the Packers I think those moves make a whole lot of sense do I believe he's going to get what he wants on the open market? That's a question mark because the body of work just simply isn't there um, to uh, justify being paid like a top receiver in the league. But he will get paid. He will get paid enough to go somewhere. He will be overpaid, I do believe. And and for what he is worth, he needs to be playing with a top-nosed quarterback and a top receiver to play second on that offense to gain the lesser coverage to earn those statistics. That's where I see Robbie Anderson being taking the next step and being that uh, that great wide receiver in the league. So as we move from the top three, the class does start to drop off. Emmanuel Sanders is your next guy. He's 33 years old, made $11 million for the Super Bowl contending uh, San Francisco 49ers. Do I see him returning to San Francisco? It's a long shot. Um, San Francisco has cap troubles of their own. Um, do I see Emmanuel wanting that type of money again? Yes, he will not get it. If somebody pays Emmanuel Sanders at this age, coming off that Achilles, um, I, he was still showing productivity, but I just would never pay that amount of money to this type of receiver. Um, and then the next one on the board, obviously, is Randall Cobb, 30 years old, made $5 million with the Cowboys. He should be playing somewhere else as well. I, I just don't see any situation where the Cowboys can afford all these playmakers unless Amari Cooper splits town and then they need to keep some uh, some talent on the board and roll with uh, Michael Gallup and Randall Cobb. That could be a potential as well. I could definitely see that. And Cobb, everyone hated the move uh, to Randall Cobb to the Dallas Cowboys, believing he was washed. I was a supporter. I still like Randall Cobb. He still has some something left in the tank. Injuries have been his problem as well, so I think he will still be a player to be um, coveted uh, by a lot of teams next one we'll just jump to the sixth is Brashard Perryman this is a player who we believe as well will get overpaid in the offseason simply due to what he was able to to accomplish uh, late due to the injuries for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, I, Brashard Perryman to me I mean what is he he's speed he's tall um, and and he has uh, inconsistent hands um, so this is the thing. Are you going to pay that kind of money for a receiver who you can't trust in, in crunch time all the time? You can't trust him. Um, he showed ability. He showed that he could be a player. He put up sound numbers with Jameis Winston, but was it versus lesser competition uh, on games that didn't matter? Uh, was it was it him performing to get that next contract? I think that was the case. So for me, for me, I would not uh, pay big dollars for Perryman, and I still believe he will be that secondary third uh, wide receiver on any club he goes to. So moving to the tight ends, we have a few big names we want to discuss because there are some on this list, starting with Hunter Henry for the L.A. Chargers. So age 25, $1.5 million dollars. You know you have to pay Hunter Henry. His his ability alone with his size, it's it's uh, unquestionable that you're going to have to pay him. He is the prototypical tight end in this league that all teams want. He can catch, he can block, he can run. Uh, he could just make plays. He's a red zone target. He's he's a great great player. Um, injuries again have been his issue. That is the main concern. We have heard rumor that they may tag him. Um, so we'll see, but I believe I don't see him leaving uh, the Chargers this season. I think they do want to see if he can play an entire year f- with fully healthy and putting up uh, the over 1,000 yards. Um, but again, so if Phillip Rivers is gone, if you don't draft a quarterback, you will be likely rolling with Tyrod Taylor. Um, Hunter Henry statistics will be underwhelming for sure, um, simply based on the history of Tyrod Taylor. Um, but Hunter Henry is definitely a hot commodity. If he finds 
any way, and which we don't see, if he finds any way to the open market, he will have suitors for days trying to pay him. Next man we have was Austin Hooper from the Atlanta Falcons, age 25, made just over 800000 last season. And over the last two years, he has proven that he is a top tight end in this league. I, I like Austin Hooper a lot. I think he has a lot of ability. He is uh, under, uh, his speed is is underwhelming, um, to, for lack of a better word. He, he, he just doesn't have that elite level speed, but he does have the size. He is, too, a blocking tight end as well. Put up fantastic numbers in this Falcons offense, and it already has been stated that he will be hitting the open market simply because the Falcons' salary cap situation is a hot mess. Um, they have literally no funds on the books due to bad contracts. They will be eating dead funds all off season because of releases. And and Austin Hooper is looking to gain a big payday, and that's something that the the Falcons won't be able to touch. The Green Bay Packers also have come into play, I believe, for Austin Hooper to uh, be the upgrade to Jimmy Graham. Austin Hooper on this offense with uh, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, I think would be phenomenal. You have finally a full-blown tight end who can do it all uh, in, in how many years in the Aaron Rodgers tenure in Green Bay I think this one would make a whole hell of a lot of sense and and I would love to see that one next one on our board is Eric Ebron 27 years old was getting paid six and a half million last season he also is not going to return to the Indianapolis Colts we've already heard that they will let him walk I know I've said it already before, but he will get paid. Um, Eric Ebron still holds a lot of talent. Uh, His obvious issue is again inconsistency with his hands it it was shown last season but I think that has a lot to do with who was throwing him the ball if if Ebron goes to a club with a better quarterback I believe that he again can find that pedigree where he will have the 60 receptions and he could potentially get 10 touchdowns simply because he is that mismatch on any offense I I I could see a lot of teams vying for his services and and there will be no shortage of that. He will get uh, do I believe he'll get overpaid maybe um simply because he they're the tight end market and a tight end draft class isn't superb. So I mean the dollar figures will be higher in this regard, but Eric Ebron he definitely will have something to say. Uh, depending on who he plays with. I think if he chooses correctly and goes to a team with a quarterback, it will resurrect a lot for what he was uh, not able to do last season. So next one we have is Vance McDonald from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here is another team in salary cap uh, issue troubles. They just can't, they don't have anything free on the board. And this is this is a big problem for them. Uh, the club option is in their hands for the Steelers, but we just can't see six and a half million being paid to Vance McDonald when you have, I mean, when you have a player like uh, Bud Dupree who is in need of a contract, and they're going to struggle to re-sign in that respect as well. So Vance McDonald, he may find a place to play next season. I believe that the Steelers will decline their club option. But, I mean, he has been uh, a a grave disappointment at the position, uh, uh, to say the least. I just I can't see any situation where um, he's going to improve what he was. Um, So moving on from the free agents, let's jump into the combine talk. We have... I'm going to go back and dissect the combine even more. Still have a lot of tape to review for these rookies. But, I mean, just to highlight some of the things that has gone on, um, starting with the wide receivers. So the wide receivers, this class is, as everybody knows, it is absolutely loaded. Um, We saw a lot of good performances on the field at the Combine. Harry Ruggs from Alabama lit up the clock. He was a 4.28, I believe, on the 40. Unbelievable. This guy is one of my favorites. Keep your eye out for Henry Ruggs. He is a game changer. People are undervaluing his skill set, simply thinking that he is the, the speedster, like a John Ross type of deal. But the difference is that Ruggs actually can run routes and catch the ball uh, extremely consistently. He is one of my favorite players to come out of this draft at the wide receiver position, and I think he will turn into a player like Terry McLaurin, who was under 
undervalued in last year's draft. Ruggs will be undervalued in this draft as well. He may go in the top ten simply because, or uh, in the top in the first round, excuse me, simply because of that speed. Um, but when it comes to the overall projection of where people see Ruggs going and Ruggs where he should be going, um, it, it, it will be undervalued. But I really like his game a lot. Denzel Mims is an interesting player. He ran a 4.38 blazing fast. He impressed me. I didn't expect that coming from him. I thought he was definitely going to be over 4.4. Um, but yeah, he he impressed as well. Um, Duvernay, Devin Duvernay, he looked good as well. Another under sub four. He was 4.39 on the 40. Chase Claypool, 4.42. This guy is kind of interesting. Some people want to see him convert to a tight end. Is he going to be anything more than a special teams player at the receiver position? We'll see. But I mean, I, I like that. That really upped uh, his stock as well couple other players that we see Justin Jefferson a 4.43 this just shoots Jefferson up my draft board he from LSU he is a dynamo people don't believe in his ability and I don't understand why every time we look at his tape and we go back to all the games he played his route running is precise. His release off the line is fantastic. Very fast feet, and he catches the ball, contested catches all the time. Is he going to be the outside presence? That I really wonder. I believe his game should be more in the NFL in the slot. I think he will be a faster uh, version of Golden Tate um, uh, and a better, more productive version of Golden Tate. That is kind of how I see Justin Jefferson being. He, he can play the outside. I think he will be uh, somewhat successful there as well. Um, but for my money, I would love to see him go to a club with a one, number one wide receiver um, already established and then him being the secondary piece in the slot. He is an exciting talent that I am really looking forward to. Jalen Rigar, he ran a 4.47. That was impressive because everyone was thinking he was going to go a little bit higher above the 4.55, uh, potentially 4.6. Um, that impresses me a lot. He had a great combine. He showed his ability. He showed what he's able to do. He is rising up draft boards. The only concern for me is, is it just because of the skill set in shorts? I'm going to go dissect his tape a little bit more. I will have more shows on these rookies um, after I review their tape in depth. That way I can give you the absolute... Um, analysis because right now I have I have the underlining uh, review at this point and 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 Rigar is is Rigar is, I'm I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right but I believe uh, he is going to be a talented player I just believe the height might be a little bit too high simply just because of how well he did at the combine Jerry Judy everybody knows Jerry Judy from Alabama this guy is a no or a, a absolute hit. Uh, prospect coming out of Alabama. Uh, the skill set is there. He ran, what did I say, a 4.45. He ran very well. He tested very well. Judy is as close as you get to a sure thing at the wide receiver position. Um, depending on landing spot, uh, he's going to be dynamic. He's going to help the club, but he is not my number one receiver in this draft class. As it stands today, and nothing changed from the combine, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more speed come from the man just simply because of his weight on his frame. He is he is under 200 pounds. I believe he is 198 pounds. CD lamb he ran a 4.5 i was disappointed i truly truly wanted to see him go under the 4.5 i think that would have helped his cause uh that much more to separate him to be that elite level player my comp for uh, uh cd lamb at this point right now is aj green a lighter aj green he high points the ball unbelievably i have dissected his tape uh to the nth degree and 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 i don't see any issue in his game his release off the line is superb he can he can challenge press coverage and get away his route running is fantastic if he hits the weight room 
to gain that extra five to ten pounds, I think it's it's no contest. He will turn in to that elite wide receiver that everyone will be discussing in that category of the Julio Jones type deal. Not saying he is Julio Jones just yet, but if he was if he was faster, if he would have broke that four point four five, I mean, we could start having that conversation uh, for potential. Um, but but at this point, AJ Green is the great uh, comp for me for uh, uh, CD Lamb. Uh, when it comes to T-, T. Higgins, I was disappointed to not see him uh, work out. I thought I thought he should. Um, uh, he he is a long strider. If you watch his tape, his strides are extremely long. People really want to see his forty to see what his speed really is. Um, he said he obviously is going to be working out his pro day at Clemson um, to show off his ability, like some players like to do. But I think it was a big disservice for him. Um, to not work out here. That will definitely drop his stock. And last is LaVisca Sinault, or Shinault. He, he, he ran the 40, and, and we, we never saw him return. And then recent reports came out that he is injured again. So it was reported that he has a groin, nagging groin issue. Um, and, and this is a big problem for a player who was receiving a lot of hype. He has some talent. Um, but when it comes to players of, of groin issues, foot issues, hamstring issues, I mean, this is a major issue for a and a major problem for the wide receiver position. You really need to show that you can stay on the field. Otherwise, you turn into players like John Ross, who, who aren't uh, uh, capitalized in the statistical department simply because you're always in the medical room. Um, so that is the interesting aspect for the wide receivers. We did have the running backs, which I wanted to jump into as well. Uh, like I said, I will do more shows on these uh, players once the combine is complete. That way we can uh, put the entire book together and give you our full analysis. But when it comes to the running backs, um, Salvon Ahmad, this guy is very interesting to me. I wanted to see him run a lot better. He only ran a 4.62. I wanted to see him run better than this this drops his stock uh undoubtedly however i believe if you get him now in the lower rounds in the fourth fifth sixth round i believe ahmad is going to be a player in the nfl you just know these guys they just have something about them um that they play better on the field than they test on in shorts at the combine this is one of these guys he does everything well um, when people are chasing him, he looks like he gets faster. He's got decent hands. I, I really like this guy a lot, and I think that any team that gets him later in the draft, it's an absolute steal. Cam Akers, he was your big riser at the Combine. He ran a 4.47, which was good for him. He When, when I was watching him in the cones and, and seeing how he was able to shift and maneuver his feet, he does his, he has very quick feet. Um, I was I was a doubter. I didn't think that he could be um, that smooth um, in his in his abilities, in his cutting. Um, But he was absolutely on point and fantastic. Um, He is one of the high risers. He may. This is the thing, depending on situation. I wonder how if he will get overdrafted, but he is a talented player that really impressed me and and jumped his his stock a lot. A.J. Dillon was an interesting player to me. I on the fence I think this guy is he, he reminds me a lot of Eddie George a slower Eddie George he runs really upright he's he's a big guy um, uh, he has some athletic ability but but I mean the 4.5340 isn't terrible for his weight um, he, he he could be a very sound back but the the upright running definitely reminds me of a guy like Eddie George Raymond Callas. He he ran a four point four two. He looked nimble in the in the the cone drills and the bag drills. I thought he he looked very good. Uh, J.K. Dobbins he didn't perform at all. He he sat out all the uh, workout and that really disappointed me. I I realized that he believes. Uh, his draft stock is at the highest level, and he will make it even higher at his pro day in Ohio. Um, I I really wanted him to to test, but I mean, hey, guys, know what they want, and and it was a disappointment for me just from the viewing side. 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire, this guy from LSU, his 40 was disappointing. His combine was disappointing. He did not look that sharp to me. He ran a 4.6. His vertical leap wasn't wasn't great. Um, I, I really struggle with uh, Edwards Hilaire. I think he reminds me a lot of Maurice Jones-Drew. Uh, a little bit lighter than Jones Drew was, but what made MJD so good was his legs were just massive, so it could carry him. Hilaire do, Edwards Hilaire does not have that same uh, uh, mass on his on his legs that could carry him. Do I think he's a good runner? Sure. Do I think he is how people view him? No. I think he will be. Uh, 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 he will struggle in the NFL in his in his rookie season until he finds uh, ways to utilize his ability. He is a smaller guy, so he will be. He's got good vision, um, so he will be able to make some plays. I'm just not sold on him just yet. Um, Anthony McFarland, this is a cat to watch. I really like this guy a lot. He ran a 4.44. He is your prototypical change of pace back. I think he will be phenomenal. His hands are great. He would be a second runner to a uh, I can't even give you an example at this point, but he would be a great secondary piece to uh, a running back who is more of a pounder is kind of where I'm going with this. Uh, McFarland, he is he's a runner. He can he can make it through the middle of the tackles as well. And with that speed that he showed, I think he just is going to be an absolute mismatch. He is one of my sleepers, uh, dark horses that I really really like, and I think that he will do good things in the NFL. He is definitely one to watch for me. Obviously, DeAndre Swift, he is the main man, 4.48 in the 40. Um, what can you say about Swift? He is the top back in this in this draft, in my opinion. Um, he does everything well. His lateral movement, his quick feet, his vision, his patience. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He has deceptive power. Um, his speed, to me, is one of those things that's uh, it's deceitful. Um, you don't believe he can run that fast, but once he hits the open field, I think he's gone. He is a great talent in my mind. Any team that uh, drafts DeAndre Swift is going to get a, a gold, uh, gold pick. But the surprise, the surprise of the running backs was Jonathan Taylor running a smoke show, 4.39 at his weight. I believe, what does he weigh in, 225 pounds, 223 pounds? That is astronomical. That is Saquon Barkley speed. I didn't believe that Taylor had this speed. I really didn't. I'll eat my words. I, I wasn't a naysayer on Taylor at all, but I, I didn't believe that he could do a 4.39 official time at the Combine. This, to me, like we said when it came to Derrick Henry and the Titans, this is the replacement for that offense. If you don't want to pay uh, Derrick Henry money, you go after Jonathan Taylor. He has the all the ability... Um, in my opinion, that Derrick Henry has in that offense, and he could be very productive. The only problem is the fumbling and the amount of touches that Taylor has endured in his career. Um, um, going over 2,000 yards in consecutive seasons with well over 300 carries in college is uh, in both those seasons is is a very tall, tall task. And, and my issue is how many miles are already on his body and, and will he break down sooner? Um, will he have that rook hit that rookie wall um, with the amount of carries that the Titans will definitely plan to use him with as well? I keep saying the Titans. I mean, any team um, that will plan to use them, they will over carry, uh, overuse uh, with carries is what I'm trying to get at. But, but Taylor was a definite, definite high riser in my eyes. Uh, simply with that speed, he does a lot of things well. Um, if he can clean up those fumbles, um, I think he, he'll be an unbelievable back in this league. So, so I mean, on that note, like I said, we will be back. We will break down the rookies, and by that time, we, we, we should be seeing more movement from the rosters um, uh, come cut down, come free agency, and the NFL draft is approaching. The NFL offseason is just getting started, like we said Go and uh, check out All Day Football on the website. We do have all the team breakdowns. Very, very good reading. 
But I mean, on that note, we'll cut it right there until next week. So this is the ADF Underground. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and wherever you get your shows. So like I said, until next week, stay humble, stay peaceful, and take care of each other. I'm out.